Good morning, SCC family. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Today we're, we're talking about our authentic community about the church. Now, I am a big believer, and I've experienced this as I've been a part of a, a variety of churches, is we are better together than we are alone. I believe that uh, as God has created us as relational beings, we really need to be with other people. And we choose to be with other people who are encouraging, who are positive. People will not only know in this world, but will all be together in eternity. God has called us and chosen us to be a part of his forever family. Deuteronomy 7.6 For you are people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all people on the face of the earth and be his people, his treasured possession. And then our scripture passage for this morning, verse 18 out of Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, pre prevent, ooh, will not prevail against it. God is doing something. God has chosen to do something, and he's doing that in our relationships to one another. Now, the, the Greek word, and I don't often use a lot of Greek words, but the Greek word for us is that we, we share koinonia with one another. And, and that word talks about a sense of unity together, a sense of identity together a sense of purpose that we share together. And that unity and that opportunity happens both within the church, but through the church and out into the community. Here's what Jesus says. You are to be salt and light of the world. Let your good deeds shine for all to see and I put in experience, so that here's the result, 
so that everyone who so that everyone will praise your heavenly father the goal is, is that people would see jesus in what we do that we would be able to point them to the truth of the gospel to the reality of jesus christ god is building his church the only question is are we participating in that? Are we a part of expanding and enriching God's kingdom in the lives of other people? Together, that is our primary purpose. Our primary purpose is to take our resources, as I talked about uh, the other week, our time, talent, treasure, and touch and give the expansion and the enrichment of God's kingdom the number one priority in terms of our use and our expenditure of our time, talent, treasure, and touch. God is doing something great in us and through us. And the key is for us to lean in and participate and experience that unity, that special relationship, and then share that relationship with those around us. Love one another and working together with one mind and one purpose, and we really have one mind and one purpose. Whether it is a ministry, a program, an activity, it all points to eternity. Now, why do we do what we do as a church? People, people have asked. In fact, I've, I've had friends who have become the first person in their sphere of influence to become a Christian. And, and going back and, and talking to those in their sphere of influence about Jesus, they, they wonder, well, why do you do that? Why do you take your family day, which is what Sunday has been called now, and go and spend time at that church? Why would you serve that church? You're kidding me. You give 10% of your income to that church? Why do you do that? Well, why do we do what we do? We do what we do because eternity is in the balance. Eternity is in the balance of every relationship we have. Now, it's a hard thing to do each and every day, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, but it's a great question to ask yourself, are, are they going with us for eternity? Is that person I like in my office or in my group or in my neighborhood, are, are we going to spend eternity together? They're a really great person. They're a, they're a very nice woman. And they are. And the question is, is are they a, a part of the forever family? And if they're not a, a part of God's forever family, then, then what have we done to share the good news of the gospel with them trying to change the trajectory of their eternal destination. 
Now, as you might imagine, that's a pretty big deal to me. And if there isn't a heaven and a hell, then as I've often said, I've wasted my entire adult life. All the effort, seizing, uh, striving to seize all the opportunity. If eternity isn't in the balance, then why are we here? If the resurrection of Jesus isn't true, we should all go home and have a family day. Why do we do what we do? Because we're called and commissioned to do that by Jesus Christ. Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey and live out everything I have commanded you. Now notice what it says. Notice the tenses of the verb. You need to go and make, you can't stay and make. And what's been great uh, the whole time I've been here as a pastor and prior is this has always been a church that understands they got to go someplace to make it, to make a disciple. Yeah, you can't just build a church and, and open the doors on Sunday morning and expect that people are going to come. They're not going to come because Sunday is now what? Oh, family day. Now, we think it's family day. It's forever family day. But see, we're called and commissioned to do that. God gives us the authority, the opportunity to expand and enrich his kingdom. And simply, that's why we do what we do, because eternity is in the balance. And we understand in the, in the great commission that, that God has called and commissioned us, each one of us, to take our place in the expansion and the enrichment of his kingdom. Now, how do we do what we're supposed to do as a church? Here's the, uh, the vision statement of our church. Responding to the Great Commission by encouraging unchurched people and de-churched people. A de-churched person is somebody that tried it once and didn't like it. Or was a part of something and, and it, it left a bad taste in their mouth. And I've had people say, yeah, I, I tried that for a while. I, I don't want it. And so we want to encourage people that don't really know the good news of the gospel or had a bad experience in a church. We want to invite them to join us as we become fully devoted followers of Christ. And the key is, is what are we doing to encourage the unchurched, and the de-churched around us. Now the key is, is this is the vision of the church. I'm going to go over the mission of the church in a minute. The difference between a mission statement in a church and a vision statement in a church is how are you going to, how are we going to carry out what God calls us to do and commissions us to do. And you'll notice that the, 
the elements I'm going to go over now are common to every church, every biblically-based church in the world. The key is how are we going to carry it out? And we're going to do that by focusing on unreached, unchurched, de-churched people. And we're going to take the responsibility of inviting them to come and be a part of what happens in this church. Who do you know who could use the benefits of knowing Jesus Christ and being involved in his church, this church? We all know people who would benefit from that. Now the how of what we're carrying out is we're celebrating God's presence in worship, right? Take the the two great commandments and, uh, and the great commission, and here's what you get. All Christian churches should seek to love God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's celebrating God in worship. And worship is not a thing that we do. It's the thing that we do. It's the bullseye and the target. We want to demonstrate God's love in ministry. That's loving our neighbor as ourselves. We want to communicate God's word in evangelism. That's, that's going and making, going and telling them. And fourth, we want to educate all of God's people in discipleship. Two great commandments and the Great Commission. You know what? You put those together, what's going to happen is going to be great. God's going to do great things. We'll have a great experience. We'll, we'll do a great job, so to speak, of what God calls us to and commissions us to do. And so you could see a target we're going to worship we're going to minister we're going to evangelize we're going to be discipled see all of those fit into the vision statement of our church and i can tell you how we do things has a lot to do with our desire to uh to encourage uh and help those that don't understand and as i mentioned last week the numbers of who, don't, who doesn't understand is getting larger and larger. More and more people don't understand. They've, they've never really looked at the Bible. They've never really been to church or a youth group or a, a summer camp or something like that. And therefore, the opportunity is very large. It's also very challenging. But how we fashion worship how we do ministry, how we do evangelism, and, and how we do discipleship is always informed by the reality that God wants more children in his family. That God is doing something and he is calling to people and we need to be a part of that. He calls us so that we can help people discern the call of God in their life, to understand how helpful the truth of His Word is in our everyday life. They're missing it. 
And our job is to make sure they don't miss it. Our job is to encourage them to point the way, to grab a hold of their hand and usher them in. Our vision, our basic strategy for carrying out ministry in the light of that vision, here's what that looks like. Seven core values. You have a vision and, and then you have a strategy, so to speak, a structure on how you're going to carry out that vision. And one of the ways we understand that better is understanding the core values. What's the number one core value? Lost people matter to God and to us. And I got to ask you, do they? Do they? They matter to Jesus. Go to Luke 11. A great statement's made there that, that wouldn't the shepherd leave the 99 to go and get the one lost sheep? And I know the answer to that. No good shepherd would do that. Well, what do you mean? Why, why does the Bible say that? Because the Bible is trying to point out how exceptional a shepherd needs to be as he leads people to the call and the commission of Christ. See, a good shepherd wouldn't leave and go after one little sheep that's lost its way because somebody might steal sheep and the wolves might come and kill more sheep. And I think Jesus is making a point. Not everybody will leave what's familiar and go after what is exceptional. It's easy to be us for and no, no more. It's easy for us to be a holy huddle. But I can tell you I'm only a Christian because somebody invited me. I'm only a Christian because somebody included me. And that's our call. Our primary call is to look for the lost and usher them in. Encourage them to join us. Number two, being a fully devoted follower of Christ is normal. <laughs> That's right. Everybody else is living an abnormal life. And do I have to convince you of that? I know I don't have to. But we often get a little embarrassed Oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, and no, I, 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 can't, I can't come to the party at the football game because I'm going to go to church first. No, I, 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 can't, I, no, no, I can't stay out till 3 o'clock in the morning because I'm old, and I have to get up and go to church the next day. You know, back in the day when, uh, you know, I was a laundress age, we'd go till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. We'd be back at church at 7.30 on Sunday. Yeah, I can't do that anymore. If I'm up that late, I just stay up and show up. Being a fully devoted follower of Christ is the best thing anyone can do, and I think it's the best experience. Full devotion, not partial devotion. Full devotion to Jesus Christ. Third, we're a community that is empowered 
uh, and equipped to do ministry, ministry in the church and ministry outside of the church. The goal is, is, that, is that we will have this special unity with one another, that we will encourage and help one another, and then together we will go out into the community and we will do good deeds. We will encourage them to come with us all to the end that they would what? Praise the Father. Not praise us. Praise the Father. Worship will be culturally relevant and biblically informed. Several years ago, we made a change in, uh, in the worship style uh, in the second service. It used to be a traditional service. It had a choir and an organ. Uh, and we felt strategically as a leadership team and a board of elders that we needed to move into the future and be culturally informed and realize that a blended service is what is needed there to complement our two contemporary services. Why did we do that? I can tell you it wasn't easy. I should share with you some of the emails I got. And I can tell you what, I, I know because people have told me what the gossip was at the, at the potluck and the cocktail party. Koenigsaker fired the church. I can tell you what, I did not fire, or fired the choir, sorry, not church. I can tell you I did not fire the choir. I can tell you that was a culmination of a, a task force that wanted to help tune up our church and get us right, right on bubble, right on the crest of the wave as we move forward. And it became very clear that was a change that needed to happen. And, and, and why? Declining numbers, therefore declining participation, a rising median age. And so we made that change. Why? Because it's one of our core values. And it's a great core value to have. It's biblical worship, but it's culturally relevant. Loving relationships will permeate all the relationships in the church. We try to love one another. It doesn't always happen, but we strive for that. I, I can tell you we had... Uh, someone decided that they were going to leave the church and I was in a meeting with them and of course they came in to share all their dissatisfaction with me. I have kind of a term for that but I won't say it on live stream. They kind of come in my office and unload in there and almost every time the problem is is they've not taken advantage of the opportunity here. And so the opportunity has passed them by, and because it's passed them by, we're the reason for their discontent. And in one case, there was a conflict with another person, and literally, I couldn't keep him in my office to talk to him about it, and as we made our way into the foyer, I said, please give me the opportunity to, to sit down, you, the other person, and me, and see if we can't have a loving relationship with one another. And even though we want that, we don't always get that, and literally he turned around, went out the door, and has never been back. 
We're not perfect in that. <laughs> we have bad days. I have bad moods. But the overarching thing is we're going to love one another. And we're going to work at loving one another. Why? Because we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we're going to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we, we're, we're going to need to be in loving relationships with one another. Here's a big thing about Squim Community Church. We believe that life change, transformation, sanctification, it happens best in a small group. It doesn't happen best, and don't misunderstand what I'm saying, it, it doesn't happen best in, in a worship center. You know why? Because I know this about most people. In a small group, what you might say is your objection to something. Well, I don't really believe that. And you've learned to not yell that out while I'm preaching. Thank you for that. No, I don't really believe that. And, and I know this, once you, express, uh, once you express your challenge to a particular truth or implication of the Scriptures, you're halfway to live in it. You know why? Because those other people in the small group will walk with you and they'll share their story with you. They'll tell you why they believe what, what we're talking about. And we enter into the struggle with one another. And life is a, a challenge. It's a struggle at times. And it's not as though the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you in worship or speak to you why uh, I'm uh, um, expounding on God's Word. But I know this. I, I know the nitty-gritty of living life is shared in a small group. And so we're going to put a, a lot of emphasis, a, a lot of focus on small groups. That's why we have an associate pastor whose primary job is dealing with what? Small groups. Small groups. Finally, I think excellence honors God uh, and it inspires people. When we were uh, getting ready to build this building and we were doing a funding campaign, I had several people say, I can't afford to belong to this church anymore. You're, you want to build this very opulent looking fellowship center and I can't afford to be, of, be a part of something that is so extravagant. I wanted to pull out my hair. I've been to a lot of uh, your homes. This, this building is built, well, I would say on the scale of most of your homes. I don't think it's extravagant. Yes, having a spring-loaded maple strip wood floor costs some money. Having a catwalk costs some money. But again, those are things that for our, our plan, for our response to God's call and commissioning, we, we thought we're worth the money. Plus, if you wanted to install either of those things after the fact, it would cost three times as much. Do we try to do things well? Yes, we do. 
Why? Because we want to honor God, and, and I, think most, <laughs> I think most people want to come to a church that's cleaned up. Chairs that are actually comfortable. The opportunity to have the words on the screen so that we can sing. Yeah. Let's see, who are we? We're God's family. What are we trying to do? We're trying to expand God's family. As I've told you before, we are plan A and God does not have a plan B for expanding and enriching his kingdom. It's up to us to make a difference in the life of another person that it changes their trajectory from hell to heaven. Let us pray. Lord God, it's, it is awesome to be a part of this church, to, to be on staff in this church. And Lord, it, it gets complicated, but yet it's always really very simple. Uh, it's John 3.16. You came in love to this planet so that we could get to know Jesus. And in knowing Jesus, we wouldn't perish, but we would have eternal life. Thank you for that. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.